Hi everybody, welcome to the Scuba Diving Magazine podcast. I'm Mark, a former dive instructor. Uh, let's look at some scuba diving for over the past week. So looking at news headlines, there were a few uh, like scuba diving underwater news headlines that caught my uh, my interest this week. The first one is in Hawaii, and this was a narrow escape by a, uh, a free diver called Chris Lastra. And he he had a uh, like a head-mounted GoPro action style camera i don't know if it was a gopro or different brands there are different brand cameras out there but he um so yeah so he was spearfishing off of uh, oahu i think is how you pronounce the other uh, island uh apparently it was magic island they got some cool names out there and when he was surfacing literally a second after he surfaces he looks around and there's just the hull of a speedboat just barreling towards him he just manages to get like his spear gun between him and the the hull of the ship and um and he's literally inches away from being chewed up by the propeller now bearing in mind that he was wearing a, a red camouflage um suit so bright red but by the time that the boat was on it there was no chance that the um uh, that the boat captain could have seen him he um he did state that he didn't have a dive down buoy or flag. So as soon as the boat, the boat did make contact, it chewed up one of his fins. As soon as the boat made contact, the boat owner or captain uh, like cut the engine and went to circle back round just to make sure that he's like, oh, struth, I've, I've just hit someone in the water. So I went back to make sure he was okay. But Chris sort of signaled to him, I'm okay. Uh, it's my fault. I didn't have a uh, diver down flag. Now, in Hawaii, it's actually law to have a, uh, a certain size, I think it's 12 by 12 dive flag, uh, must be displayed while snorkeling, spearfishing, or scuba diving. But where Chris is from, which is in California, I believe, it's not a legal requirement. It's just a smart suggestion. Um, but yeah, it's truth. Uh, if, if whenever you're out in the water, wherever there's boat traffic, and boat traffic can be anywhere, uh, yeah, just use a diver down flag, everybody, please. Uh, you can see his fin. It's like a carbon fiber fin that's pretty severely chewed up, and it, it, he's just lucky that it, it wasn't like a few inches further up towards his foot or actually his like arms or uh, um, he went to, um, I think he was talking with a newspaper basically saying, I'm, I'm so lucky I didn't bang my head and I was unconscious in the water. Um, but phew, truth, uh, yeah, this really does go to uh, to show that, yeah, dive down flags and the bigger the better. Small DSMBs, they're, they're great for calm waters, but even so, you, you do have to make sure that the, um, uh, the the boat owner is paying attention as well. So whenever you're out in the water, especially by yourself, uh, the biggest, most obvious surface marker buoy possible to uh, to really make sure that, uh, that you're being seen out at sea. The next news story, is a really inspirational story, and this is um, Sam Clark, who's a BZAC National Instructor now. Um, so the BZAC National Instructor qualification is BZAC's highest instructor tier, and it's held by just 275 members uh, since being introduced in 1966. So that in itself is just incredible, but also Sam is an amputee. And she's the first ever amputee to 
be qualified as a, a BZAC national instructor and she only lost her right leg earlier this year in 2022. She had surgery in uh, in January. But of course that didn't stop her achieving her goal of reaching BZAC's most prestigious grade. She was due to sit the National Instructor exam back in 2020. Uh, but then of course COVID got in the way and stopped everyone from doing everything that they enjoyed. Um, but then she got back on, onto track after having major surgery in January this year. So she's the BZAC Northwest Regional Coach. She's one of only two candidates who are awarded national instructor status this year. So just two. And it's a very arduous and daunting process. It's not a simple qualification, not just jump through certain hoops. Uh, during the final exam, candidates are addressed on their instructor and leadership skills across 23 separate elements. Uh, so they're tested left, right and center to make sure that yeah, they are up to scratch. And Clark went on record uh, commenting that after losing my leg, I have to I had to overcome a new set of challenges and work out how I could adapt to be able to not only scuba dive, but also teach again or instruct again. Uh, getting the National Instructor qualification made a huge amount. It shows that anything is possible if you put your mind to it. Uh, she's very proud to be the very first amputee National Instructor. Uh, and when I was when I was going through my instructor, one of the staff instructors, I believe, was also an amputee. He was missing, I want to say, his right um, hand. He had his like forearm, but then at the wrist, he was amputated. And it was it was fascinating to watch him work and how he could adapt and teach certain skills. There was a little bit of. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to uh, to put it, not not miscommunication, but just extra things that he had to um, challenges that he had to overcome, and with like uh, demonstrating skills. I mean, most people find it hard enough to put on a weight belt with two hands. Try and imagine doing it with just one functioning hand, and he managed to do it. But of course, with the um, with the students just repeating everything that he did, exactly how he did it. it. It didn't always work first time, but after he explained, oh no, I have to do it this way, like with hand signals, uh, especially two-handed hand signals, uh, he would use slightly different signals, but eventually after a little bit of um, extra conversation, it it worked and the student got it. So uh, yeah, it is fascinating. And it's good to see that these people are, um, are really, just going that extra effort to like step above their um, uh, their disability and uh, and keep doing what they love and it's yeah it's just so motivational to uh, to see people do this. The next news story is that a walrus has been spotted off the Hampshire coast here in the UK. Uh, we don't tend to see too many walruses, um, but the walrus has been nicknamed Thor. They were um, they were sighted chilling on a pebbly beach in, at uh, Calshot in Hampshire on Sunday morning after previously visiting the Netherlands um, and Brittany in recent weeks. So members of the British Divers Marine Life Rescue, the BDMLR, and the Coast Guard were quick onto the scene to monitor the animal and make sure that people kept themselves and dogs and whatnot away. Um, Thor swam off during the, uh, the early afternoon, but 
they basically say that he's probably going to stay in the area for a little bit of a while. Um, we don't know how long Thor's going to be around the UK coastline or where he's going to like chill out next. But BDMLR asks everyone to behave sensibly and, of course, responsibly for safety of themselves and that of Thor. So they they basically they make these huge journeys and they're out at sea so they're constantly swimming and then they basically just rock up on a beach they gather their strength and relax but every time they're disturbed by people getting too close or making too much noise they of course then move off so they're burning all this energy and they can't like relax and prepare themselves for the next long leg of the journey so the current like recommendation is hey you know what if you see it great report it to the bdmlr and uh, and they'll take it from there but don't get too close uh, don't make too many cool cool too too many loud noises uh, don't try and take a selfie with it or anything um, just you know give it give it plenty of space and actually thor is the latest in a series of walruses to make appearances in uk waters um there have been two previously, uh, one nicknamed Wally and one nicknamed Freya. Uh, Wally was seen in Ireland in March and then Tenby in Wales before taking a tour that included Cornwall, France, Spain, very, very nice like European journey, uh, the Isles of Sicily, and then eventually made his way back up to Arctic waters and was spotted off uh, Iceland in late September. Freya, on the other hand, unfortunately had a, um, a, a harder journey with a um, with a sad ending she was uh, she was sighted in Shetland and was actually killed by Norwegian authorities in August after she set up home in the uh, the Oslo fjords as uh, she was deemed a danger to the public after crowds of people repeatedly got close to her despite warnings to you know give her space uh, so they decided to kill the walrus uh, for some reason instead of just you know make people give her space um, but unfortunately um so yeah if you are in the uk if you are like walking a dog along the beach and you do spot a walrus uh yes it probably is a walrus uh give it plenty of space and um and yeah try try not to make too much noise he's probably just chilling um there's nice pictures of him just like laying down just relaxing getting ready to uh, to prepare uh, prepare for a, a long swim up north the next news story I couldn't find too much because a lot of the uh, the news articles are like geo restricted. Uh, if you're outside of the US, you can't view certain web pages, especially news sites. Um, but this is the Travis County Sheriff's Office said that Lake Patrol deputies and other agencies responded to a 911 call that a man in his 20s had gone to Lake Travis to go scuba diving and did not return home. Uh, search efforts were conducted until 8.30 in the afternoon and then was suspended due to darkness. It's turning nighttime. Uh, for the next two days, the Lake Patrol deputies began searching the area and uh, and sonar searches again but they were unsuccessful but on december the 13th the body of the missing scuba diver was found uh, the identity of the diver has not yet been released um it's not a criminal instance um they don't believe it's anything suspicious at this time um but yeah that's about all the information that's um that i have again if you're going scuba diving by yourself ugh, Please, I mean, it's not the best practice uh, because so many things can happen. It's best to go out diving with a buddy. Uh, but yeah, if you are 
diving by yourself, let others know exactly where you are, where you're going to be, and what time to like raise an alarm like this scuba diver did to um, to get local authorities to the area as soon as possible. And next we move over to Georgia where a 54 month prison sentence in order to repay almost $6.1 million has been handed down to the ringleader in a scam to basically defraud the US government department that arranges scuba diving training for military veterans. So this is a, a new uh, like judgments in a uh, court case there the, was a guilty plea by the 55 year old Florida diver Kenneth Mears um, who was reported on DiverNet in September that he had yeah, pleaded guilty he was one of six divers linked to three Georgia dive schools who had admitted to f submitting false claims to the Department of Veteran Affairs the VA over several years billing the office up to just shy of $21,000 for each imaginary student enrolled in their class I mean they're basically just yeah charging the VA who as, as far as I'm aware, are struggling as it is to look after veterans, that they're charging them 21 grand and just making up students. The dive professionals also misled the VA about compliance with the department's regulations, student attendance dates and hours of instructions, and had created a fictitious scholarship program. So they're just making things up and billing the VA and getting their payday. Appearing before U.S. District Court Judge Lisa Wood in Savannah on the 8th of December, having pleaded guilty to the charge of committing wire fraud, Mears was told that after serving his term behind bars, he would then be subjected to a further three years of supervised release. Um, there's no chance of parole uh, because this is going through the federal system. So Mears could have faced up to 20 years in a federal penitentiary, uh, but it's reported that his term was reduced after he'd volunteered to cooperate with with investigators prior to the six being charged. So a school certifying official and course director at two scuba shack dive centers in Savannah and Richmond Hill from May 2018 to April 2021. Mears also became a consultant at Divers Den in St. Mary's around May 2020 and an instructor there from around June 2021 to February 2022. He prepared and submitted Scuba Shack's application and course catalog for VA approval and developed Diver Divers Den's program knowing that the applications contained false information. He also directed other defendants to create fake scholarships used to mask the percentage of students receiving VA educational benefits. Scuba Shack owners Robert and Judith Lanou have already been given six-month prison sentences and ordered to pay $3.23 million in restitution, whilst their employee David Anderegg was given probation and ordered to pay back $20,500. There are two other defendants, Teresa Whitlock, who operated Divers Den, and the Dive Center's Director of Training, Jonathan Spiker, who are still awaiting sentencing. The prosecuting U.S. attorney, David Est, who's a retired United States Army colonel, said the VA administers a robust program to provide educational benefits for those who have served their country, opening access to substantial career and enrichment opportunities for veterans. Kenneth Mears and his co-conspirators circumvented the rules designed to protect that funding purely for their personal enrichment, and they justly are being held accountable for their crimes. So, yeah. 
don't try and defraud the governments that they're going to find out. I know a lot of it seems that they don't know what they're doing, uh, but when it comes to like money and getting paid for things, yeah, you better be sure that they're going to be uh, sort of coming after you and double checking that um, that you're actually qualifying these students. So um, yeah, and just. Yeah, there, there are better ways to um, uh, to make money while scuba diving. Uh, you, you don't have to defraud the government to uh, to do so. Moving on to new dive equipment that I've spotted online. So I spotted the Mares Guardian Ergo Trim BCD. So this is a new jacket style BCD. And okay, a lot of people were saying, well, it's just a jacket style BCD. There's nothing special about that. Uh, it's very reminiscent of the Dragon which has been around for quite a while now. So yeah, it's a jacket style BCD. But what makes the Guardian Ergo Trim different is in that second word, the Ergo Trim. So recently, I forget where it was. Oh, I think I was talking about the Avilo system where it's a very different system of like adjusting your buoyancy it's different to a, a traditional bcd and i was saying how divers don't like change and one of the examples that i gave was the the air trim system or the i3 system on bcds where instead of having a corrugated hose over your left hand shoulder you have a little switch just on your left hand hip and that connects to cables and it also connects to uh, your inflator hose and that's how you adjust your buoyancy it's it's very intuitive and it means that no matter which position you're in because when you when you press the switch downwards to to dump the um, uh, dump gas out of your BCD, it opens up all of the valves. So it, it vents everywhere. It doesn't mean that you have to be in a certain position. You don't have to adjust yourself. It just kind of does it. So it's very intuitive. And the Mari's version, the air trim, was very similar and it worked in a very similar way, but it's still too different for a lot of scuba divers because my instructor was wearing a, a traditional corrugated hose uh, do i go for this like new thing that i've never used before when i'm investing my own equipment or do i go for the safer option something that looks like what i learned to dive in of course they're going to go for the one that they learned to dive in but ergo trim is clever and it's it's basically a you still have that corrugated hose over your left hand shoulder, but if you want to, you can route it downwards underneath your left shoulder and it sits on your right hand hip. So you have that inflator on your right hand hip and it's, it's basically the best of both worlds. So if you want a traditional inflator over your left hand shoulder, great you can have it set up like that but if you want something a little bit different you don't want that like flappy hose over your left hand shoulder you can have it like rooting downwards out of the way nice and streamlined and hooked to your hip you can still control your buoyancy you can still purge and inflate from your hip and if you you can try it out basically but if you don't get on with it then you can go back to the traditional way i think it's a very clever way of introducing this system so that it's a it's a safe way for someone who's like just buying their first bcd they want to try something a little bit different but they don't want to take that big plunge and then end up with this really expensive bcd that they don't really get on with they want a more traditional corrugated hostile bcd 
this is kind of the best of both worlds. So you can customize it to how you want and you can try something a little bit different. And then going forwards, when you're buying your next BCD, you're not limited to, oh, well, I've always dived a corrugated hose. Um, I'm, I'm just going to stick and go down that route. I'm not going to try any uh, anything weird. So, um, yeah, I reckon the, uh, the Guardian Ergo trim is going to be one of those kind of BCDs. It's that that gateway bcd where you're like you know what i'll just have a little tester and see how it goes and then if it goes well then yeah you're probably going to end up going down that air trim or like i3 system otherwise as a bcd yeah it's a jacket style bcd which i'm not a huge fan of but a lot of divers like jacket style bcds there's nothing wrong with that uh it's got their sls the slide lock system integrated weight system uh which has that little window on it that tells you when it's locked in position uh pockets and all that good stuff articulated straps so yeah decent uh, sort of bcd does it have a weight on it anywhere uh that i can see facts no, no, they haven't weighed it yet. Uh, I have asked Marius to see if I can get a sample to uh, to do an unboxing and sort of like show you guys around. Uh, they haven't written back to me yet, but it's only been a few hours, so I'll, I'll give them that. But yeah, it's it's just something a little bit different. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a BCD that has the corrugated hose over your left-hand shoulder that you can then turn into an air trim style. So yeah, and it's continuing on from there. What was it called? I think it was just called the Ergo, and it has four color kits as well. So I think you can get the, the BCD just as it is, and it's just like standard black. But then if you want to, you can buy these like color kits that also come with a, uh, a line cutter as well. So you can personalize it a bit and, uh, and make it a bit brighter and make it, I think it's like prime colors, like blues and reds and yellows. Um, and then you also get a, a line cutter as well. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I've seen that on a, a couple of dive centers shelves. So um, yeah, the Guardian Ergo trim, just something a little bit different. Moving on to videos that I uh, that are releasing this week. So on Saturday we've got top tips for safety stops because a lot of divers I find as soon as they hit their safety stop, they kind of switch off. They kind of like oh the dive the dive's over as soon as they start that safety stop but actually no you're you're still scuba diving this there's still things that you can do but there's also some things that you should do whilst on a, a safety stop so i go over the hand signals because there are a few different hand signals for safety stops and some of them actually have meanings behind them so like the, the standard one where you've got like three fingers on one hand and then you you point that to the underside of a uh, of your palm that's actually signaling three minutes at five meters so the actual number of fingers means something so if you do it with five uh you're supposed to do five minutes at five meters so yeah not a lot of divers know that um the fact that you should actually be horizontal in the water a lot of divers they they just uh, they they regress into a uh, uh, vertical position in the water with their feet downwards but actually strictly you should be horizontal so that your entire body is decompressing at the same rate because if you think about it if you're vertical your head is at a slightly lesser pressure than your feet so that means that dissolved 
well, not even dissolved, yeah, dissolved gases in your tissues lower down are going to stay in your tissues longer. So then when you start to ascend, okay, granted, a lot of the... Um, the tissues in your head and your chest are decompressed at a sensible rate. Wherever your dive computer is, it's usually at around chest height. So those tissues have decompressed properly. Whereas in your legs, they might not have decompressed quite as much as your dive computer might have thought. So if you can try and be as horizontal as, uh, as possible, but also think about your position in the water, where you are in relation to other things. The usual one is being collected by a rib or some kind of boat if you're diving near a, a reef or, or a shoreline or something of course the boat doesn't want to get too close to the reef especially if there's current around because they're just going to get dragged across it so whilst you're doing your safety stop unless you're busy like looking at something then it might be worth just swimming out into the blue and as long as you have a, a dsmb obviously then it makes it a lot easier for the the boat to collect you talking about dsmbs keep that line nice and taut a lot of divers they send up their dsmb and then as soon as it hits the surface they just attach uh, or they 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 basically leave their spool or their reel as it is but actually you need to keep a bit of tension by pulling that line down a bit not so much that you're yanking yourself back up to the surface but just enough so that one you don't get too much slack line around you because just rope and string underwater is just evil and it will wrap around absolutely everything and get you all tangled up so it's best to keep that nice and taut at all times but also when you're pulling down on the line it actually pulls the bottom of the dsmb down underwater a little bit so it's not flopped over on the surface it's actually standing upright so it's best to keep a bit of tension on that line and then as you're ascending wind that in uh, like a mad devil because you'll suddenly find you're, you'll be on the surface just surrounded by all this string and yeah, it's just going to get wrapped around everything. So wind it up and try and slow your ascent to as quickly as you can wind it in, but don't don't ever sort of allow it to, um, to get slack and just wrap around stuff. And yeah, also just, just plan to stop, just expect that stop to be part of the dive and just enjoy the stop as well so many divers as i said they just kind of switch off you get some that play tic-tac-toe and that stuff which is perfectly fine if you want to um, sort of do that they'll, they'll play um, sort of something on their uh, on their slates or uh, rock paper scissors or something with their buddy which is fine i'm fine with that but a lot of divers as well they just end up staring at their dive computer screen and trust me that nothing interesting is going to happen on your dive computer screen so just look around if you can plan it so that you can swim a along the reef at five meters for the last three minutes because then you're, you're multitasking you're you're doing your safety stop but you're still scuba diving so you can still look around even if you're out in the blue it's still worth looking out because you might see a, a plagic like a big shark or something just come out of nowhere so it, it's always worth just keep looking around and whilst you are looking around look around at the surface as well that old like stop look and listen because boat traffic as well you want to make sure that um that you're surfacing somewhere safe um so yeah uh, just top 10 tips for uh, for safety stops that will go live on saturday and the ask mark 
is about hose protectors. Someone, they have a, a Miflex high pressure hose and it came with hose protectors, but they weren't sure why their high pressure hose came with hose protectors, but their low pressure Miflex hose didn't. And yeah, it is probably just, I don't know if I've ever seen a an actual Miflex branded hose protector on a low pressure hose. You get so Miflex works with some of the uh, the dive manufacturers, and they um, they they work they produce hoses for their regulators, and then the the brands themselves fit their own branded hose protectors onto the Miflex hoses. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen a Miflex branded hose protector on a Miflex hose. God, that's a hard sentence to say. But on their high pressure hoses, yes, and the there's kind of controversy over hose protectors whether you should have them on your hoses because the the main reason for them is to help prevent the that one particular section of hose bend and pull at the ferrule the uh, the metal section where it's crimped onto the hose because if you if you yank on it then it, it just damages the hose but the downside of hose protectors is that they kind of hold moisture underneath them so the hose can actually rot away and because it's underneath the hose protector it's covered so you don't see it so a lot of divers actually take them off but as long as you clean and dry underneath them between dives they're they're okay they they can be a real pain to remove as well uh, because they're pretty snug and some of the designs out there are not designed to come off. Uh, I've actually had to cut some off because they're just so just fused on. the The usual way that we put whenever you're putting like a, a boot on or something, you would uh, you would heat it. You'd soak it in some hot water to make the the like the rubber and the plastic a bit more malleable and uh, and pliable. So, but you can't do that with hoses because you'd have to like dip the hose in water and then water's getting into your hose. So, yeah, there are special tools. They're normally for putting them on, uh, but they do kind of work. They're basically the same screw thread, and uh, and you screw that onto the end, and it's like a T handle so that you can pull things on and off but it, yeah they are a real pain but is it worth removing them as as long as you don't like leave them as long as you're diligent and you're keeping them clean underneath them it should be okay but if you're thinking about your regulators now and you're thinking that oh yeah mine do actually have hose protectors on them uh yeah it is worth just just pulling it back and looking underneath just to make sure that the, the hose is fine underneath. Uh, someone else was asking about diving insurance. They noticed that their dive insurance package didn't include search and recovery costs. And they were basically asking how much it can uh, rack up. And it's tens of thousands. It gets really, if you imagine how much it costs just to like fuel up one helicopter just imagine a helicopter and a plane and a boat and all of the crew members and whatnot. It gets very, very expensive very quickly. But the reason why it's not included in like every single dive insurance package is that in a lot of countries, but I can't promise every country, a lot of the search and recovery costs um, in like emergency cases are free of charge or at least paid by the state. Um, but 
yeah it does raise a, an interesting question and something worth looking into when uh, whenever you're going traveling to some weird exotic country just double check who ends up paying the bill uh because there are yeah a, a lot of stories out there of divers it's normally like hyperbaric chamber costs where they they don't bother with their dive insurance because hey i've, I've never been bent before then yeah I'm, I'm not going to end up in the chamber but now they can't go back to a certain country because they um they they skip their bill so um yeah, yeah, diving insurance is uh, is definitely worth it, and yeah, search and recovery costs. I was looking at Dan Insurance, and yes, yeah, some of them uh, because they come in different tiers. You get like gold, silver, and bronze um, style tiers of dive insurance. Some will cover like search and recovery costs, but it's usually the higher tiers. Um, so yeah, just just double check exactly where you go to make sure that you are covered just in case. Uh, it was the uh, it was this week on uh, on Sunday where I'm discussing a velo. Someone's asking about a velo. It's clever. It's from what I understand, it's similar to how a submarine adjusts its buoyancy in the water. They have a dedicated cylinder tank that has two separate sections in it. From what I understand, um, and when you when you push a button it floods a certain section and it's it basically makes you perfectly neutrally buoyant but then when you get to like the end of the dive and you start to swim back up you push another button and it purges it or it does something uh so then it further adjusts your buoyancy and they were basically asking if this is like the future and it's it's honestly tricky because again with that ergo trim like inflation style scuba divers don't like change and this is very different you don't have a bcd you just have like a back plate and then this like a velo cylinder just strapped onto the back of it and that's kind of it so a lot of people have tested it left right and center and yeah they they say it's a, a wonderful system i haven't tried it myself I, i'm fascinated to uh, to try it out but i can't see it like replacing the traditional style of uh, of like bcd and uh, and bladder for quite some time it's it's very it's very different it's very alien i'm sure it'll work perfectly fine but just like side mountain twin sets and rebreathers and side mounted rebreathers and all that kind of stuff i think it will just be there for a, a select group to uh, to dive this way um but yeah I, I don't know maybe not for me not for us at a quite some time and i had quite a few questions about it the main one being like if i dive with a, uh, a dry suit so i got a very buoyant system how does how does it work with that adjusting like buoyancy with my with my dry suit um, and just a few other things that the more you boil down like multi dive days because you have the uh, the Avilo tank which has this built in like buoyancy system do you have to just refill that tank between each dive or is there a quick way to swap over cylinders or something? So yeah, there's just a, a few questions and like practicalities for what we're used to basically. And um, yeah, let's, I think it's, it's going to be a little while before it becomes completely mainstream. Someone else was in a tricky situation with back plates. They have a stainless steel uh, X deep NX project back plate, but they want to use it whilst traveling. So of course the lighter version is 
aluminium, but with it being X deep, it's almost three times the price as a traditional style aluminium backplate. So it's a matter of could she swap over a, a steel X deep backplate with a, a more traditional style aluminium one and it's it's kind of kind of yes um you you have some trouble because the um uh, the, the the harness style on the zen is quite different to any normal style harness and you can't have that y-shaped crotch strap neither uh because that's pretty I think only X Deep have that like double attachment point at the back so far. I imagine another um, uh, backplate designer is going to um, sort of copy that at some stage. So it's a matter of yes, yes, but you, your best choice is to stick with uh, with X Deep. X Deep is a lot like Apple in that X Deep products work with other X Deep items very very well but when you try and get a third party involved it it does connect but it's not perfect and the final question was about reef hooks a photographer going to the Maldives for the first time and there's quite a lot of current at times in the Maldives so when and how do you use like reef hooks and it's very much one of those things you pick it up pretty quick you want to make sure that you're not attaching onto living coral obviously anything loose you don't want to try and hook onto like a loose bit of rock that's just going to drag and you're going to end up down current so also think about the direction of the current make sure that you're you're hooking into somewhere up current and then where you're going to end up in that current but yeah reef hooks you you pick it up fairly quickly they're um they're basically a, a metal like grappling hook that you hook onto a, a rock ideally that's i mean they have pretty small uh, like points on them so you're not uh, you're not disturbing too much of the, uh, the the marine ecosystem but yeah you hook that in you you have it attached onto yourself and just be prepared to um uh, to, to carry on swimming should the uh, the hook dislodge for whatever reason um, but yeah for for photography for staying in one area normally with a drift dive you just kind of watch the world go by but in certain areas you, you kind of want to stay in one particular area because there's there's schooling sharks or something that you uh, that you want to check out and yeah a, an essential tool there is a, a reef hook and the the main thing is like stowing it away between uses because you've got all of this line that you need to like stow away somewhere you've got this big because they are quite large the, uh, the metal hooks that are literally made to snag onto things so you want to make sure that you're stowing that away somewhere properly you watch some of the dive guides out there they have this special running knot that's it uses up all of that line length and it concertinas it down to like a sixth of its like complete length and then all you have to do is just unhook one line of it and it just concertinas out so I, i've yet to learn that myself it's one of those things that when when they teach you to do it and you do it you're like oh okay this is pretty easy but a couple of weeks later someone asks you to do it again then you're like, oh it's true this is one of those things that you kind of have to do over and over again continuously just to keep it in your mind like learning a different language but um but yeah so those are my uh, my ask mark questions and on that note 
we're looking to change the uh, the way that we do ask marks it's not going to be a a one big weekly thing it's going to be probably not a daily thing but it's basically going to be a a one question per show so they're going to be a lot shorter um i mean i'll try and drag it out as much as possible that's i, I like to just chat about things but yeah it is going to be one question per release and it's going to be more frequent so instead of just one a week every Sunday is probably going to be every other day or something like that. So you might get your question a little bit sooner or your, your answer a little bit sooner, I should say. Um, and it's it's more for different platforms because we're looking at things other than YouTube. So like shorts on, on Instagram and TikTok and whatnot. So um, yeah, just branching out onto a different different platforms basically but still answering your questions so yeah if you do have any scuba diving questions uh, pop them down in the comments of any of our youtube videos i um, basically as long as you use that hashtag ask mark it it highlights it behind the scenes um yeah i think youtube sees it as a link so it it hides it for us to authorize it i usually do my best to to answer it as soon as possible by replying to your comments uh, but to actually elaborate and to show you certain things i mean someone's asked about uh, how a pre-dive lever works and it's you can explain it through text but it's a lot easier for me to actually show you so um yeah i do still like to do um uh, do those q and a's so yeah they're changing a little bit otherwise yeah don't forget to uh, sort of like and subscribe wherever you're listening to uh, to this podcast uh just to sort of keep up with it we're trying to uh, reach a certain landmark at the moment we've got to get a thousand listens uh per per week i think so yeah just because it's still quite new the podcast i think this is episode 11 uh so yeah we're trying to get those um those numbers up so if you could that would be wonderful share it to all your friends as well uh let them know that there's a, a new scuba diving podcast out there that they can listen to uh otherwise that's it for another week um remember to head over to our website scuba divingmag.com check out our scuba diving magazine uh that is our primary thing it's available in both print and digital editions all around the world there are three editions there's the united states there's the uk edition uh, as well as australia and new zealand uh yeah both digital and print but if you want to uh, to take a quick look at a free sample you can go to app.scubadivermag.com uh that's it for another week um thank you for listening everybody and of course safe diving